Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Christmas. I hope you're all in the spirit and happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. This is the most wonderful time of year, right? Should be a happy time. I just, it is my favorite time. I love the lights, the laughter, the family, the gift giving. And I'm going to begin with one of the things I like to do and is giving thanks to several people and mentioning them under my honorable mention. So stand by. I'm going to, I'm going to share several birthdays today, right? So several birthdays this month, including the birth of Christ, we celebrate birthdays of Robert Schwab, who is a dear friend of mine. My wonderful granddaughter, Aubrey, turned three this month. Happy birthday, Brie. Jean Granados, who's an old friend. Irene Tratt. Dr. Angela DeRosa, who's a wonderful physician friend of mine. Shelley Anderson, who's like one of my sisters. Happy birthday. David Pepper, husband of Dr. Patty Pepper. Harry Conger, happy birthday. Didi Madonia, who is my dress dealer. She usually points out what formals I like, so she feeds that habit. Dr. Philip Ling at Mayo Clinic, happy birthday. Liz Garrett. Dr. Jerry Law, who is an amazing therapist, has helped so many people. Tim Higgins is my neighbor from Seven Canyons, and he is celebrating now in Maui with his wife, Una. Lance Lucibello, happy birthday. Mo Craby. Nancy Pachuco, my dear uh, widow friend uh, in Scottsdale, happy birthday. Marshall Wolf, George Kalman, Lynn Cook, Mike Zimmerman, my actor friend, happy birthday. Paula Sears, Matt Gloyd, and Celine Greenbaum all celebrate the same birthday on December 25th. Janie Strauss has a birthday, and our dear friend Kathy McEwen in Goderich, Canada, celebrates her birthday. New Year's Eve, we have the fine people I, I know well, Joanne Gilman, John Miller, and Paul's, Paul Ellsworth, to bring in the new year with their birthday. Also for the month of December, we have an anniversary, the 29th wedding anniversary of Dave and Dr. Patty Pepper. For So we celebrate birthdays this month, anniversaries, and most of all, Christmas, we celebrate with gifts. And one of the things I've realized over time and learned that the best gift of all is memory. When I married my sweetheart, John, uh, he would buy wonderful things for me. And I would say, sweetheart, don't give me things. Give me memories. Give me memories that I can cherish. And it, happy memories. Those are the things that are left behind in, in when someone passes. But then what happens if the memories are sad? What if they're tragic? We're going to talk about that. What do you do with those memories and those events in your life that aren't happy, that are painful, that are toxic? How do you move on in your life? How do you survive? Even more so, how do you thrive? It's the season, as you know, we reunite with family, with gatherings after a year of being separated by the pandemic, shopping, gift-giving, parties, travel. It's almost like overdrive. Somebody said that about 110,000 Americans are going to be traveling this winter season over the holidays. So be more patient with each other, be more kind. One of the things we've noticed is a lot of people just being difficult to be with, fighting, rage. Just take a deep breath, center yourself, try to not strike out at people. I know people are frustrated. Be a little bit more patient. Be a little bit more understanding. Stresses are up, we know. Gas prices are up. Social upheaval. All your news is going to be bad news, and even if you trust it, it's bad news. They rarely 
They rarely put happy news on the news. One of the things I think about is the classic movie Christmas Vacation, which my sons and I and their father would watch every year as a tradition. And in one scene, the wife, Ellen, is reassuring her daughter, Audrey, who is being stressed out because both sets of grandparents are visiting them. And she has to sleep with her brother in the same bed because her grandparents are occupying her room. So Audrey is stressing out over her mother and says, Mother, can't you tell Grandpa not to tell my boyfriend that I'm in the bathroom when he calls? And and Ellen tries to reassure her daughters as she's smoking a cigarette and says, Audrey, it's the holidays and we're all in misery. So the question I have for you is, are you in misery? The holidays are stressful. It's a sad time for so many people, especially those who have suffered the loss of a loved one. doesn't matter how long ago they passed. They've lost them. They're not here anymore to celebrate traditions, to be with, to hold, to love. People have lost their jobs. They've broken up with people. They're, they're separated from people. Life is not the same, right? There's so many things that make people unhappy. Depression tends to increase during the holidays due to the increased demands. A lot of that is perceived demands on family issues. I was talking with one of my patients lives in Florida, and she was really having a lot of stress. She says, my tree isn't up. I haven't got my cards ready. It's like, take a deep breath. You're setting those deadlines for yourself. Make it a New Year's Eve, a New Year's card. Make it for January. Everyone's going to get a flood of Christmas cards. Make your special. Make it come in January. You know, be something different. You know, don't kill yourself because you're trying to make up some deadline that you impose upon yourself. So give yourself a break. The holidays, lots of activities, activities running around. So what are the signs of holiday depression? What do you need to look out for in yourself as well as your friends? How do you know you're stressed out? Do you have headaches? Are you drinking a little bit more? Are you eating a little bit more? Are you having trouble going to sleep? What do you do about holiday depression? Well, the first thing I think is you got to know that you're having depression. You've got to acknowledge your feelings. It's it's okay to cry, express yourself, share it with a friend. I'm to say, hey, I'm just stressed out. Just talking to that patient from far away, just having her vent and share and just saying, okay, you're doing you're you're normal. This is very normal about stress. Reassure them. And and don't be alone. Reach out to friends, get a support group to work with you. The other thing about how to deal with holiday depression is just be realistic. Don't be trying to be like Clark Griswold and trying to have the best Christmas of all, better than anybody, and stringing all the lights and making impossible things that nobody could ever achieve. Also, when you get get together with family who you haven't seen in a year, and again, it's going to be tough, set aside differences. You know, it's really tough now with politics. You don't go there. Uh, Even with masking and vaccines, those are very sensitive issues in families. You have people who are either black or white about a topic, and, you know, I believe life is gray right? So be understanding, be respectful. You can respectfully disagree. Don't cut them down as human beings. Respect the, you, you can respect them. You can disagree with what they're talking about, but don't criticize and bash that human being. Let your love for someone be greater than your political opinions. See if you can override that. Also for money issues, stay on your budget, right? People overspend, their credit cards go crazy plan ahead, give yourself a break, say no, don't overextend yourself, don't take every invitation that comes out there, then you're exhausted by January. Don't abandon your healthy habits, you got to take care of yourself, give yourself the gift of good sleep, exercise healthy food. 
So those are the things we look at about just really giving yourself a break, being good to yourself. But how do you survive, you know, this season of joy when a lot of us think of sad times? We can't help it. We think of our upbringing, of our childhood, of people who are no longer here. And we think of personal loss and suffering. And today we have in studio an incredible woman who's going to share her story of pain and struggle, not only of somebody who has survived, but she's thrived under such difficulties and turned out to be an amazing human being, somebody who's kind and loving. And that person is my dear friend, Sandra Mackey. And she's here in studio, and her light emanates throughout the studio. And I'm going to share a little bit with Sandra about her, her history. She's a former business owner of an electrical contracting company in L.A. Until 2006, Southern California was her home, along with a second home in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then in late 2016, she and her husband, Mel, um, uh, something happened. Mel had a life-altering stroke that left him permanently paralyzed, a huge change in life. So they moved to the greater Phoenix area to give close proximity to Mel's two brothers who were living here at the time, and that brought Mel so much joy. Sandra has many interests with a primary focus on mentorship and advocacy. In 2012, she took her years of entrepreneurship and customer service expertise to her current management career with American Express. She volunteers and remains active in women and children advocacy organizations. In February 2021 this year, her husband Mel passed away from long-term effects of his stroke and COVID. Sandra was there by his side. She took care of him. She bathed him. She fed him. She lifted him up. She was there to the very end. She doesn't want to fade into grief, and she knows how that feels, but she has sought out numerous opportunities to support others through times of tragedy and seasons of difficulty. There is no better therapy than to care for others, she believes. And Sandra has an amazing life motto, and this is, this is her life motto. Always leave people better than you found them. Hug the hurt. Kiss the broken. Befriend the lost. Love the lonely. Share your dreams. And such a beautiful, uplifting message to our listeners at this time of year. Sandra, welcome to our studio. It's good to have you. Thank you so much, Dr. Connie, for having me. I'm honored and I'm grateful to you for this remarkable opportunity. You know, you know well, and we've talked about holidays are being are really tough. You you think about losing Mel just this year, and every milestone after losing your spouse, you relive it because you knew a year ago he was with you. So it's even tougher, as you know, going through this. What what are you planning for the holidays? Thank you. Yeah, it, it is. It's like climbing the Everest of grief. That's what I kind of think mm-hmm. of it as. And um, it's interesting because I always thought, oh, you know, my husband um, had a stroke, as you mentioned, in November of 2015. So I thought, you know, I was being prepared for the last six years for that to happen. But nothing ever prepares you for the reality of when you lose that person. So for the holidays, um, one of the things that I have done, thanks to you and many other wonderful friends that I've met since February, is that I get to make new relationships and new traditions, and I'm finding that that is very healing and not trying to repeat what Mel and I had, what you said to me, you know, you go from being a we to a me, and there's actually some really beautiful joy in, in those new relationships. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm spending time with new friends and family, of course. And so I'm, I'm just so grateful to be here to share some of these things. 
You know, we met by design, I think, because yes. I hadn't met you until recently this year. Yeah. Can you share how we met? Yes, that's a, the best story. So I had a dear friend that's known me since I was 10, and she introduced me to your jeweler, and it was her jeweler. And I remember seeing, as I was speaking with him, a book, and it was upside down, and I was drawn to to the face and the eyes, and I said to him, excuse me, but for the last 15 minutes, I, I can't stop staring at that book. Who is that woman? I have to meet her. <laughs> His eyes got real big and said, yes, you do. As a matter of fact, you both have something very special in common. That not that incredible? It's something yes. drew you there. Because when I would go by and visit them, he and his wife, he would say, this amazing woman I want you to meet, told me all about you. And I says, well, why should I meet her? And he goes, because she's a widow. And I said, that's mm-hmm. why I need to meet her. And I really think, you know, I have a group of friends now. And I've had, it's interesting, or maybe not so, maybe it's design. I have more widow friends yes. than ever. And I call them the girls in the hood, girls in the widowhood. <laughs> and I remember one time Sandra and I and our friend Georgia and several other the girls in the hood we were out to a restaurant one night, and we were sitting there laughing and just having a great dinner. It was outdoor yes. patio. And as we were leaving, this other group of women, there were only two women sitting at another table, said, hey, what, what group is that? You guys had so much fun. How do we join? I looked at them, and I said, well, you know, it's a tough club because your husband has to die for us to join us. And she's like, oh, you know, but it's, it's true. I mean, we've all we've lost our husbands. We know it. You know, they com- your friends commiserate. They're with you. They're always guiding you through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all have our stories of losing our loved ones. And you took amazing care. How long were you married to Mel? I was married to Mel 28 years. You know, you think of all those years together. How do you usually spend your Christmases with Mel? Oh, my gosh. Christmas was a larger-than-life event with us. And we usually would have lots of family there about 38 to be precise. And I'll never forget the tradition of him going out to our beautiful home in Cota de Casa, filling the fountains and making sure everything was so pristine in our beautiful gardens that we had at this property. And, and, you know, just the whole event and the tradition of cooking with my mother and making everything so fun and magical for the nephews and nieces. And then when he had his stroke, that all changed. And, you know, there was actually a great joy in something completely different. It was just the two of us, and it was peaceful and calm and intimate. And now it's just me left with those memories. But I will say they are so rich that they feel like they carry me. And now it's time for me to make new ones. He would want that for me. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, you have your old memories, but our loved ones, how do you move on? You form new memories. Yes. You, you change where you live. You change sometimes your certain friends. You move on. You outgrow certain friends. You make new friends that are drawn to you. You create your new memories. Yes. We're going to take a little pause here. A little break's coming up. And then we'll be back with Sandra Mackey to talk about how to be a source of light in a time of darkness as she shares more of her amazing story. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls with Sandra Mackey. We'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought... Which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. 
who looks after the president of the United States. My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back. We have in studio our special guest, my widow, fellow widow friend and sister, Sandra Mackey, and she's sharing some great happy memories of her her beloved husband, uh, Mel, who passed away in February of their last Christmas together, and he had been paralyzed by a stroke. And, and she's sharing about the pain of going from we to me. But, you know, you, you're married 28 years, and marriages go through cycles, and and there's no perfect marriage. And you had some tough times in your marriage, didn't you, dear? Yeah, we really did. And I I just want to preface when I share this that uh, Mel and I actually, when he was alive, we had the great joy and blessing to help couples who went through similar predicaments. And one of the things that he told me in the last five years as we worked to reconcile things that we went through is that he said, Sandra, don't ever shy away from sharing what we went through because it can help other people. And so I'm so honored to have the opportunity to do that. And one of the things that happened in our 28-year union is 10 years in, I had the horrible realization that my darling husband was having an affair. And it was, it was, it took my breath away. It felt like somebody punched me in the stomach. And anybody who is listening will know that feeling. It's very familiar. And then... At the same time, I realized that person that was standing across from me, I had a flashback of us standing there taking our vows 10 years prior, and I said, love will never fail. Love will always endure. And in that moment, I had the rare opportunity to look him in the eye and say, you know what? 
I'm not going to fail you in this moment. I don't know what that looks like and feels like, but we're going to try to navigate this. And it was very difficult. Well, how did you get back? Did you leave? Did you yeah, threaten you know, divorce? I mean, did you get counseling? Did you? Yeah, I mean, I, I never threatened divorce. Neither did he. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is that we had our business. And so you look around and you think about the people that you are accountable to, that you feel a sense of service to. And we said, you know, this is bigger than us. Um, our, our split will impact many people around us. And so in that moment, we, we made a conscious decision to put those people first. And then, of course, we had to put ourselves first and go through counseling, and it took many years. Honestly, it took seven years before I felt like I could have any sense of trust. And so I think for everybody, of course, that moment is different. There's different variables involved. But I, I would like to say this. Forgiveness is for everyone, regardless of the situation. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. Movies have made 1 Corinthians 13 famous in weddings. But when, like I said, when you're standing there and you have betrayal in the worst possible way, um, there is great comfort in saying, I'm going to love beyond this pain. And that's the hard thing, isn't it? It's to forgive. Yes. And a lot of people nowadays, we struggle. We struggle with forgiving those who have wronged us. Yes. And and it, it wedges so much between people and it, it stunts your spiritual growth. But you, you were able to get back and stay with them, but it took a while. Oh, yes. Seven years. I'll say this. When abuse takes place in any life situation, you can revert back to other moments in your life when you've had to forgive. And I would just like to share that I was abused at the young, tender age of five. And I quickly formed a way to navigate through conflict and confrontation. I remember being sexually abused at such a young age and looking around at the people in my life. I remember that five-year-old girl saying, I can't say anything because I'll ruin this joy that I see. And so it, it wasn't until later in years that I was able to confess to my parents what had happened. But I'll tell you, um, It's an interesting thing that you learn as a little girl and and you compartmentalize and you say, you know what, I'm not going to reveal this because part of it is that I feel like I've done something bad. And so that little girl reared her head in in my marriage. She said, what did you do bad that caused your husband to cheat on you? Right, right. A lot of them feel that. But it took great courage to finally come forth after years of abuse. What triggered that you finally said, I need to say something? It was going through the healing process of, um, you know, dealing with my marriage. You know, I realized I can't keep secrets like that, and I have to be, my I have to be authentic in order to heal. And I realized I had to go back to those healing moments and say, wait a minute, what have I buried so deep that I'm not able to look within and face these things? And that started to bring healing. And of course, I worked with a Christian psychologist who really helped me. And that's where grace is more powerful. Whether we do or not, um, you know, whether we acknowledge that there is a God, God's love remains in us and with us. And that's what helped me tremendously. But you never lost faith, did you? You just kept going. No, I, I didn't because this is the thing. Forgiveness is much more powerful and simple than bitterness and angry or anger, excuse me. And however, if we choose to step out in faith Mm -hmm. 
and great courage. We will embark on a journey where there are true glimpses of the divine. Mm -hmm. And that's what I started to see. There was a reward in that. And it's it's been life-changing. And the more you do that, the easier it gets. And you know what? Now that I think of it, it's the it's the message of Christmas. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that God would first love us despite knowing many of us will not choose to love him in return. Right, right. It's the yeah. ultimate gift. Yes. But and you went through all that difficulty and to be positive in such a dark time, but to write in lots of ways what happened was wrong. It shouldn't mm-hmm. have happened, but it did. And but yet you chose not to be the victim. And instead, you helped other people, right? Yes, absolutely. I've over the years, I've been able to talk to other victims in in women's groups and in child exploitation groups, and that's the thing. If if you allow that thing to continue to victimize you, you give it power over you. And I decided very early, because I was exposed to a faith in God, that if I let Him care for me and nurture me through that time of abuse, that I can actually come out stronger. And and that sounds cavalier for some people listening because it's so simplistic, but it is truly a daily choice to say that thing that happened to me is not going to define me. Amen. That's for sure. Yes. You know, I think the gift that if you can forgive and not hold a grudge, one of the services I go to every year at Unity Spiritual Center is called the Burning Bowl. And, and they have this wonderful ceremony uh, a few days before Christmas. And what they do is you sit and you sing, you know, you sing um, carols, and they hand out a piece of paper. And on that paper, you write down those people or things that have power over you, that have given you pain. And then as they sing Silent Night, you march up to this bowl of fire that's and you drop that piece of paper, and you see the ashes fly off. You mm-hmm. release it. You let go of it. You forgive. The ability to forgive is, 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 is huge in healing yourself. You, you let them go. I, I always say in therapy, you, you release them to go towards the light to ask for assistance. You've mm-hmm. released them. You've surrendered them to something greater. And you realize, I can't handle these people. I can't change them. I can't fix them. But you know what? I can ask for, to, I can forgive them and let them move on. Yes. So you see people now, especially the holidays, going through just such tough times. And, you know, women telling me their husbands are unfaithful or having an affair or, you know, people being abused and still a lot of that lingering. What do you tell them when you, when you counsel people like that who've been through suffering? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I say, you, you alluded to something very powerful, fire. We're all going to face fires in our life. We're all going to face storms. And one of the things that I share is that it is incredibly important to know that fire refines us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to destroy us. Mm-hmm. And I go back to my faith because God himself has chosen to perfectly exemplify unconditional, relentless love. Some people call that reckless because mm-hmm. they go, how can you forgive somebody that cheats on you or sexually abuses you? But you know Honestly, as that young five-year-old girl, I had that quick faith. I, I call it miraculous. And I realized quickly that he chose, God chose to bet on each one of us. So why not, as we say, forgive those who trespass against us 
as he has forgiven that in mm-hmm. us ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so really it it is that that action of faith to say, you know what? As I move and navigate through a sense of forgiveness, you completely diminish the power that that wrong has over your life. And that's what I share with people. I say, if you can get to that place where you can start to move past that pain, you'll get on the other side. You'll be on the top of the mountain looking down on that and saying, you know what? It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I made it. And you will get there. Yeah. I think if you get to that point, you forget, you know, you move on to other things. And you are reborn in a lot of ways. You, f- you get fortified. It's something with that yes. fire. So we look as fellow widows, and, and we have so many friends who are. The holidays, the, the music, you know, you, I just cry at certain songs mm-hmm. like I'll Be Home for Christmas, mm-hmm. and you just sob. <laughs> what, do you, what do you tell widowers and widows and, and parents who've lost their children? What, what, do you, what do you tell them about trying to get through this time? Oh, you know what? The most important thing I would say is it's okay to feel all of it, to feel the pain and the sadness of the loss, to to almost marinate in it and, and, and feel it and don't deny it, but then also look up and look around and see the beautiful gifts that God's given you because there are always other things to be grateful for. The mere fact that, you know, we wake up, we can see with our eyes, we can taste with our mouth, we can hear the beautiful things that are going on around us. Sometimes they're not so beautiful things, but the fact that we can have our health, even that, and and just finding those little tiny things to say, you know what, thank you that I at least still have this. And the fact that we feel pain to me, Dr. Connie, is a beautiful, precious gift because that means we had a great love. Right, right. Yes. Because you wouldn't be crying unless you had that tremendous love. Yes. You know, somebody once told me that one of the sad things, saddest things is not only do you grieve for the physical life you had, that person physically there, you grieve for you because Mm -hmm. the person that was married to that guy is gone. That person died with him. That part in me died. Yes. And then you wonder, well, what's left? And I still think of the show I did with Dave Rico. It was during the pandemic about five true things. And in it, he talks about accepting that life is about change and endings, that there is pain in life, that nothing, that every, nothing goes according to plan, that um, there is you know, unfairness in life. And the other is really not everybody you love is loyal and loving all the time. And if you accept that, he said, you move forward. And when you look at those difficult things, you say, rather than say, why me? You say, now what? And I see your story. You weren't the victim. You weren't like, why me? It's like, now what? What am I going to do now? I'm going to get help. I'm going to find somebody to to help me. I'm going to tell others what happened to me so it doesn't happen to somebody else. I'm going to help others get stronger and better. And so you grieve to let go. You let go to move on. You move on to be the person you're meant to be. Because each of us, every one of us, have been touched by the life that that moved on. You're a different woman. I'm a different woman as a result of the men we loved. But one of the things we'll talk about in the future in one of the shows is about love that never dies. And I think of the Christmas season, and we think of that story of that humble manger. that There was no place for them to go, and they had nothing. And nothing, and it was cold, and baby was born. So baby always represents hope and new life. Yes. In a time of darkness, you come this great light. 
And so when you look at dark times, you know, you look at your faith that, that brings you the light, and I, I do as well. You look at your faith and knowing that it's not over and there is a plan, mm -hmm. um, that there was a reason. I always think there's a reason you meet people. They come into your lives, and they say they're people who are lessons and others who are gifts. <laughs> and sometimes there are lessons that you need to learn. Yes. But you keep going. I mean, you're also probably one of the most generous people I know. In fact, the first time I met Sandra, I met her with my jeweler and his wife. And she shows up, and she's this beautiful brunette, larger than life. And she had gifts for everybody. And it was just the first meeting. And she gave me this beautiful Bible with a bookmark, with a crown. And I smiled because I said, well, that's a sign from John, because he would call me queen, and he mm -hmm. was my king. <laughs> and I said, that must be, he, he sent that. And it was just yes. your graciousness, your thoughtfulness. You are, you really, I think you're the queen of gift giving. And I just love that. And it's, you know, a lot of us, that's our language of love. I love giving yes. gifts. The, the part about Christmas I love is I love gifting people, the people yes. I love. So when you look at the gifts you've received, what is it the gift you value the most? Mm, gosh, that is a very powerful and beautiful question. You know, I, I have to just say it's people. Um, Barbara Streisand sings that song that I love ever since I was a little girl. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and people will say, gosh, how can you love people when they can do such horrible things and be the cause of such pain? And it's because, you know what, at the end of the day, there is true beauty in the broken places. And, I mean, I sit here and you say I'm the queen of gifting, but I'm looking at this beautiful necklace or this bracelet you gave me with full of hearts. And, and that's what happens. Your, your life explodes with love and joy when you have this open capacity to keep grabbing on to more people in your life. So I'm grateful for people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, then you, even the ones who come to you and you're not a fan of theirs. Yes. The challenge for me is what is about them that I can like yes. or love? What is about that can embrace? And sometimes the things that annoy me about them, I have to say, is that something I do that yes. I don't like that I see in them? Mm -hmm. What is about me that I see in them that I don't like? Yes. That's why. And can I not make my heart large enough to understand them? To understand, because somebody must have loved them. They wouldn't be here. Their mother loved them. Somebody loves that person. Yes. What can I find about that person to love in some way? And there's a sort of a softness to it, because we live in hard times, mm. that that you don't harden your hearts now, especially now. Yes. And one of the things I always believe, that the true test of character of a human being is what do you like in times that are tough? You know, are you loving? Are you gracious? Or are you obnoxious and mean and blaming everybody or greedy? What do you like when times are tough? So we're going to pause for a little break, and we'll come back to our guest, Sandra Mackey, who who's shown us in her life what she has done when, when times are tough, how she's become a light in the time of darkness. So stay tuned on House Calls. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? 
Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back. It's Great to have you listening in with my dear friend, Sandra Mackey, who I've known for at least this year. You were the gift this year. You were the gift. We got to meet because somebody had my book out on a counter in a jewelry store. Maybe you're looking for nice gems, right? Yes. And we got to meet fellow widows, and you're like the little sister for me. It's we, we've The widows have – because you're your, our youngest widow – and we've, we, our maternal instinct comes out because we want to protect you and guide you. But you've also given us so much energy and hope. And But for somebody who's so bright and you look at all the sad things in your life, to have gone through infidelity of your spouse who you adored and, and then abuse, sexual abuse as a child, and to have gotten through that and have become just an amazing, loving human being who is not bitter, you're actually better. Right. Yes. You're not. You, you have chose not to become a victim, and you've helped other people along the way. And I think this season is so proper for celebrating you because you're all about giving of yourself, of the lessons in life that you're sharing. This because it's very personal stuff. But in the gifts you give for people, but your kindness, your friendship, your texts. I mean, you're just like the good friend everybody wishes they had. You're one of the hide-the-body friends, right? If you wanted to off somebody, you're, you're pulling up with the truck and the, and, and, the, and the shovel. You're the one helping out. And you have so many friends. And, and you look at that. And, again, the season is tough. And when you think of our language of love and how we gift others, are there among the gifts you've received over the years, or especially Christmas, 
Is there one particular gift you value the most? Yes, I can answer very quickly, and it's something so simple. Every gift that I have that is special is a letter that a friend has written me or a family member or even Mel or a, an employee, somebody that I've met. And it's funny because after Mel passed, I started going through so many papers, and him and I had a large chest that we used to put every letter in that we would write each other. And it's overflowing. And mm -hmm. we had letters from friends and family. And I started going through those. And I wept because, again, like you say, you start to see these relationships that are very special. And I can honestly confess, I don't, I don't want to sound like um, a, a phony person here, but I don't know how I've been blessed with the gifting of loving recklessly is what I like to call it. <laughs> but I have to say that I would much rather err on the side of love every single time because it's so much better, like you said, than being bitter and angry. And I don't do it perfect. I make mistakes. I'm still learning. But I believe that when we have that as our major capacity, we will win every time. And and giving gifts is a byproduct of that. I love giving gifts because you get to see the person all happy and yeah. excited. Well, and it's like Georgia special. when you gave her a gift. Georgia was like, <laughs> I love getting gifts. It's just yeah. like a little kid. Yes. You know, you brought to mind about love wins. And this is this is like a week ago. I, I had a little bit of time in the afternoon. I went to Nordstrom. And I was in like the teen section near the cafe. Yeah. And there was a shirt that caught my attention. It was a black T-shirt. And across the top, it had sort of a metallic sheen. And it had the, the words, love always wins. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, neat. Love always wins. Yes. And I thought, you know, I'll just use that for a T-shirt or work out or when I go to sleep. So I got it. And so I was driving home. I turned the corner. And my tire blew out oh. right as I was driving onto my where I live. And I went, darn. And I, in a moment... I could have been really angry and like, yeah. why me? Why me? But I thought I was grateful because it happened like right where I live. Yes. And then I tried to find a parking space. It was all, you know, everyone was shopping. So I found one. I called the guy who helps me to, with my cars. He sent a tow truck right away. And I was a nice person. I was so grateful. I was grateful that it didn't happen on the freeway yes. in the middle of traffic. It wasn't in the middle, of, you know, driving up to Sedona or anything. I, I yes. was... I was so grateful. Love always wins. Mm -hmm. And I think especially this season when people are stressed, they're angry, if you can try to look at each other with love mm -hmm. through the lens of love, try to do that. I mean, what is it going to hurt you, right? If you look through love, your blood pressure drops, your heart rate drops. If, if you want to play a little game, you actually have the upper card if you are gracious and loving because yes. then they get really upset, right? <laughs> yes. And it was funny. I was talking to the, the people who do my frames, and they hear people have fender benders outside their shop. And I said, gosh, people are arguing out there. Fender benders, people are honking. He goes, oh, we heard when the other day some guy backed into one guy, and they're yelling. And then the other guy drove away, and he says, don't forget, Jesus loves you. <laughs> and that made him angrier. <laughs> but it's, you know, look at times that you try to find the humor in this, and it's sort of that, and John would do the same. It's like, where's the humor here? It's sort of dark humor. Yes. But what can I laugh about? And don't take it so seriously, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the, if you fast forward, we all die. Mm -hmm. So I look back now, the things that upset my late husband. I'm sure he's not angry about those things now. Those aren't, they're gone. They're inconsequential. I talked to patients of mine who are in hospice in their deathbed, 
and they're not sitting there with a grudge. If they are, they're having a rough time passing. Mm -hmm. They really want to be at peace. They want to forgive. And if you can forgive before you die, it alleviates so much. But you're also, it's a grace, the grace to forgive. And that is the biggest gift you give somebody, along with love. Love is the the prime gift. But if you can forgive and let go, that's how you move on. Because it won't hold you, you know, you won't be held back by grudges. And so, you know, we talk about our gift journey. And I have a painful gift journey that I remember. And I held on to that until my mom died. And I was six years old. We lived in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I think I wrote about it. We lived in Honolulu, Hawaii. My dad was stationed there. And it was in the 60s. And my mother, God rest her soul, was always about making sure we were equal, sort of keeping score. Like, if they gave a gift, we need to give a gift. If that mm-hmm. gift costs $20, we need to give $25. And it was like she would just make sure that she caught up. Mm-hmm. So one time we had these, and it, they cost like 50 cents back then or 25 There were these stockings that were made out of sort of fishnet and had candy in it. Yeah. And they had each one, and I had my name on one. My brother had one. My sister had one, had the tree. And so... Mom and dad had guests visit, and they brought gifts. And we, she wasn't expecting that, and she was so embarrassed. So she quickly took our little stockings off the tree, mm-hmm. removed our names, and put their kids' names. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I just felt, I felt like the little waif child who was left holding <laughs> the sack of coal. And I realized years later that that was just stuff. But her biggest gift was her love, was her kindness, her patience. That was her gift. I thought that, you know, that material stuff was the gift. It was a piece of cardboard. It was a piece of candy. But it was her love. It was her, it was her servitude, how she worked hard to take care of us. It was the long hours she spent. That was her gift. And so don't equate love with stuff. Material stuff, and and one of the readings I had with a medium after John died was, you know, we had a lot of stuff. I had a lot of stuff. Get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's only stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you look at your storage units, I go, what am I keeping this stuff for? Because a lot of times (laughs) your kids don't want it. In fact, my my sons, I have their baby albums. I said, do you want your albums? Ah, just scan the photos, download in a box link, send it to me. You don't want the photos? They're they're yellow with age. I'll keep them. You know, my son Jason wants his, but I'll ship those out to him. But so what is the biggest gift you have? You know, I love pictures, memories, photographs. Uh, My friend Julie did a beautiful birthday photograph album uh, for her beloved, which touched him so much. It, it don't give the perfunctory sweater every Christmas that everybody d- likes to do. Don't yeah. give me candles. I love candles, but I, I don't need any more candles. But it's like, think of something special. If you don't, just give the gift of an experience of a shared event yes. that you remember that was special. And yeah. don't equate it with monetary value. It's like, well, he didn't give me a car this Christmas, or he didn't give me a diamond ring. Those are things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's don't judge love based on the material. Don't weigh it that way. Yeah. And it's and it's a lesson about what we expect people's language of love. And you know, I I asked my grandkids. I asked them, so what's on your Santa list, right? And and my grandson would say, oh, it's this. It's interesting. It was an outlet glider, and I saw a symbolism the glider, mm-hmm. which John died in. But he wanted this little toy glider. And I actually have the Santa wish list from my sons when they were little. So these are like 
30 years old, well, 27 years old. And when they were little, I'd say, what do you want for Christmas? Give me a list. So when they were five or six, they put Nintendo, bicycle. But my son, Jason, I think, had written something funny. He had written, cash of any denomination will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe Andrew. One of those guys had said, cash of any denomination. So you look about that. And, you know, how, how do you go about giving a good gift? And people say, well, you first of all, research it. You know, what is special about them mm-hmm. that that you know them well enough? The best gifts are because people really know you. Yeah. My friend Georgia knows I like a certain gelato, so she gives me this outrageously expensive gift card to my favorite <laughs> gelato place. It's, Thank you very much. Three pounds later, five pounds later, I appreciate that. <laughs> but it was a thoughtful thing. You know what I like. It's personalized. It's something that unique to you. It took some thought. It took something clever. It made you smile. It's useful. And, you know, there's no problem with gift cards. I mean, gift cards are huge. If you don't know what to do, give somebody a nice gift card Mm -hmm. to their favorite restaurant and or or their shop or something. And again, cash will do. I mean, Mm -hmm. somebody had written an article in Wall Street Journal that they carry a bunch of $20 bills around. For tipping, they just give them a nice tip because, and they give them cash because a lot of times if you put it on your check, they take that off and yeah. you hand it to the person and you thank them. You thank them for working. You thank them for coming to work mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't want to work, mm-hmm. right, or have lost jobs, but you're appreciative for what they do, but you make the eye contact. Yeah. A lot of people, they don't even connect. They go through life and they don't look them in the eye. They don't appreciate them. And one of the things I learned at the White House actually taking care of President Bill Clinton. One of the gifts he had that he taught me was the ability to make everyone you know and meet feel like the the most important person in the room. Mm -hmm. You're not distracted by other people. You're looking right at them. You remember details, specifics, that you make them the most important person there. And that's a gift. And it also says, I'm not the most important person. You are, Mm -hmm. which which is a tremendous gift to, to be the humility. Humility is a gift. If you can be humble and be pound your chest and saying, I'm the most humble person I know. Sure you are. <laughs> but to, just to be humble about that. I mean, those right. are things of the manger. Of, yes. You know, here you come as somebody who's a savior, and he comes yes. in this in this poverty, in a manger on it, and she comes on a, a donkey. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would expect that? That's what kings do. Yeah. It's not your stereotypical king, right? It gets right. your attention. Right. The other thing is we talk about photos, memories, that photo that you want framed that I have of the girls in the hood. But I think over and over again, it really is the memories of us and creating memories of a special trip of times together as you recount that. But as as you look at it, and again, as the queen of gift giving, are there memories that you look back at that you just will always hold you for every forever that of your beloved as you look at the holidays? Yes, and I'm grateful for this chance to speak to this because I think I want to end my comments by saying this. I could name a variety of things, but this is the key for anybody listening. There's a great photographer that shot for National Geographic for years, and he would sit out, he said, for hours on a prairie waiting for an elk or something to come into the into the lens. And it wouldn't happen. And then all of a sudden he said, I'd have 10 lenses in my bag and I'd pick a different one. And pretty soon I had a wider view and all of a sudden I could see more and there was my shot. That's what we have to do as we think in terms of gifts and people and love is sometimes we have to change the lens in which we're looking at everybody 
and then pretty soon everything comes into view and it makes sense and we're able to truly do what you said to see the beauty in everything that is even there, even if it's pain, if it's forgiveness, if it's love, whatever it is, sometimes change your lens and open up the scope of what you can see and you'll be really surprised by what comes into focus. Ooh, that is so beautifully. You need to write your book, Changing Your Lens. Change Your Lens. Because if you can look at life through the lens of love, Mm -hmm. you change everything, your whole perspective. So we're going to sign off here. Sandra Mackey, my dear friend, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being on our show. My pleasure. Merry Christmas to everyone. And Merry Christmas to you all. Have a wonderful holiday season. God bless you all. And stay tuned next year when we come back in January for the beginning of our seventh season on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Merry Christmas. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Mm -hmm.